Join, J- join Jake and Ben Friday, 10 to noon, at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Black Friday Sale in Draper. It's next to Cowabunga Bay. 12101 Factory Outlet Drive. 121st South Factory Outlet Drive. Time to welcome in Frank Dolce on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Frank, good morning. Hey, DJ. Hey, PK. Uh, if I if I forget to mention it, I'll mention it up front, but... I hope you guys both have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Well, right back at you. Happy Thanksgiving, Frank. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, PK. Yeah. You like you're my guy. You know you're my guy. <laughs> and we're you know we share the South Bay roots. And but I was super offended by your Goldilocks segment about <laughs> half an hour ago. Nice. <laughs> what particularly did you find offensive? See, he's a little hair change. Well, like I, I like these. Like <laughs> I have no control. I have no control, you know, over my hairline. Now I shave it now because if I grew it in, I'd look like Ronald McDonald or something. But, but, but then <laughs> you know the guys that don't have to manage this issue, you know, like I'm proud of my hair, and <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'd be, and then I think you said something along the lines of, I'd be really depressed if I lost my hair. <laughs> I would, so, man. I, I only like got one or two things going on, and my hair's one of them. <laughs> and I can't mention the other. Hey, bro. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm only good at three things, right? So I, I you know, it, I'll just tell you from personal experience. Uh, early, uh, it is it is depressing. Yeah. At one point, you think, I'm really depressed. This is not depressing. I mean, there's lots of other things that that could be challenging, and this isn't this isn't one of them. So, but it, but at that moment, when you realize, when I realize, like, oh, that's it. I, there's no coming back from this. Oh, exactly. I my head. Yeah, I had yeah. A, I had a friend who pretty much was bald at like 23, 24, and he gets married, and married obviously uh, he was young, married a gal his age, and because of his hair loss, there were people who actually thought that was his daughter. <laughs> okay, the hair loss is like wow. if you go Frank and you just go aerodynamic. aerodynamic Jordan made bald beautiful years ago. Yeah, but that was a choice. And so, right, but now if you do it and you got the good look and Frank's sharp dresser, right, and he stays fit, he's clearly oh, yeah, a former athlete, so you, you got it going on. But you can't do anything when the whole world looks at you like, you freak, you're dating someone. <laughs> you married, dating or married someone who looks like your daughter, like, my hair fell out. That's exactly what it was. I mean, they were the same age. Yeah, they're the same age. They met in college. That really, that really sucks. That crosses the line. I know, I know. Yeah, well, nobody nobody doesn't like Jordan. I mean, his was the classic. Yeah. Like that. I may may do it and have a little earring, too. 
You should. Yeah. You played it right, though, Frank. You just you just pivoted and moved on. You made it work for you. Next. Look at you. You're on TV. You're doing a radio. You got the career going. Oh, he's on TV. I remember I used to be on TV. You will be again one day. (laughs) You watch. (laughs) Frank, let's get right to it now. Your Utes. Is that the best win since Alabama? Have you felt that good after a game since Bama? Maybe when they went up in Eugene a few years ago and put 60 on them? Maybe the Stanford upset? Yeah, that the Stanford upset, uh, I think, was a tremendous win for Utah. So I, I'd put that one up there. I wouldn't put Alabama as high. I mean, in terms of uh, recognition and the win and the big moment, but to, to be completely honest, I think only one team was really engaged in that football game uh, against Alabama, and it wasn't Alabama. So, I, you know, I, th- I think there was a little bit of the way that, that Coach Saban managed that. And, you know, I'm certain he, that was a learning experience for him. But, uh, but Utah certainly in that game came out ready to go, and, and the other team did not. But I think for, for kind of everything that was at stake in this one, this seems like I, I'm, I might put this one um, right at, at the top. Uh, and the way that Utah played and the way that Utah managed that game uh, was just a dominating effort. I, I was a little surprised uh, because I thought uh, Oregon would be more game and Utah just beat them up right at the line of scrimmage and, and Oregon could never get on track. So, but that, that also goes back to my thought about I'm a little surprised that Oregon didn't, hasn't taken another loss prior to this game. Like, I've watched Oregon play almost every game this year, and I have not been overly impressed by that team. I mean, I thought it was like kind of a weird one-loss team. So, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm not certain that team would have really made any noise in the playoff. For the Pac-12, I would have liked to have seen that team go, but but it feels to me like it, it could have been a kind of a blowout in a playoff scenario, and that doesn't really bode well for the Pac-12 either. So, no. anyway, I think this, this game certainly right up there at the top for Utah. Yeah, no question about that. I agree with you. As I look at Cam Rising, I can't help but be more impressed. And I've been on his bandwagon, so I'm going to keep running it because it makes me look smart. And if i got one or two things that makes me look smart, I'm going to just latch onto it and never let go. Uh, but the thing I look about him, you know, he's not overwhelming in really anything. But there's a couple of plays early, like third and five, and he goes back, and the pocket is sort of collapsing a little bit, not entirely. But he picks up the first downs, and you know, it's almost like it goes unnoticed. Uh, he'll, he'll scramble when it's the right time, and if he needs five, he'll get you six. You know, if he needs nine, he'll get you ten. Whatever it is. And as I look at him, as I identify him as a quarterback, nothing really stands out. Like, wow, this kid is just Andrew Luck's size or John Elway arm or whatever. But yet he gets the job done game after game. And I think the thing that I might be most impressed about it with him is just his poison composure to make whatever play needs to be made. And even though it doesn't look like it's incredible, it adds up to a touchdown. You're a quarterback yourself. Evaluate what I said. 
So his ability to, to be steady under all different circumstances, I think, is his big secret. Like, he's not, he's not overwhelming in, in any of those areas. Like, he's not athletic like a Cam Newton, and he doesn't have a rocket arm like an Aaron Rodgers. Um, but, he, but, but the things that he does, uh, he does really well. He's like above average in all of the areas, above average arm strength, above average athleticism, way above average in the ability to remain calm under pressure, to, to keep his head about him under pressure or under that he's done all year long is I, you know, I'm sure he's done it. Um, I can't recall though when he's really put his team in a difficult circumstance because of a poor play or a poor decision that he's made. There have been times, and I would say Arizona is one of those times when he hasn't seemed as sharp as he typically is, or as sharp as he was maybe against Oregon. But on par, he is, he is always above average. And if you can maintain that kind of, you know, he's not a roller coaster. If you from the quarterback position in this offense, then I think you're going to be really successful. He, he probably threw one or two passes in the, in the game against Oregon that, that made you a little bit nervous. Like he threw into pressure a couple times that may have turned the tide a little bit, um, but it didn't affect the team negatively. But over the course of the game, over the course of the season, his ability to play um, at a high level consistently, consistently, I think, is his is his uh, kind of superpower. The way that he really excels. So the team has one turnover in the last five games. He hasn't thrown a pick since ASU, and those are the only two picks he's thrown all year long. So as much as it's above average, and there's truth to that, the fact that you only have two turnovers on 251 passes, doesn't that jump out at you? I mean, that's a great stat. If you're looking for great stats, that would be it, wouldn't it? Yes, that's extraordinary. That's, uh, I mean, that, that is way above average. So that's the thing I'm talking about is, like, he never puts his team in a, under difficult circumstances. Um, he, 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 it feels like, you know, 99% of the time he's making the right decision, whether it's to throw the ball away, whether it's to break out of the pocket and run and not risk throwing the ball downfield or, or making a play, on, you know, throwing the ball on a third down. And so – I think that his ability to possess the football, the fact that Utah has um, such a strong feeling about how turnovers affect the game and his ability to manage that, and, and combined with you know, Tavion Thomas and his ability now to control the football, he hasn't had a turnover. By the way, I hope we're not jinxing the team <laughs> heading, heading into Colorado to talk I mean, but, but their ability to play clean, I think, is the, is, the, is the way that they've been so successful. If you can remember early in the season, um, first three games-ish in, you know, the turnovers were just killing this team. And they were on the wrong side of the turnover battle, which just isn't, 
isn't the hallmark of a, of a Kyle Whittingham coach team. So, yeah, turnover margin, the ability to hold on to the football. That You know, Utah hasn't really gotten that many turnovers on the defensive side either. No. But the ability to hold on to the football uh, is, has certainly been meaningful for the team in their, in their run lately. How much credit are you giving Ludwig for the team's success offensively this season? Oh, a whole bunch. I, I thought we, you know, I was pretty, um, I, I was, I, I wouldn't say I was soft on Ludwig early in the season, but I thought that the way that Utah was managing the offense early in the season didn't fit, didn't necessarily fit their personality. And that could be for lots of reasons, maybe because of the turnovers in the running game or, or, or what, but it felt like, Utah was much more interested in trying to develop a passing game downfield, um, especially with Charlie Brewer, you know, running the controls. And at at some point, they figured out Coach Ludwig or the team or whatever figured out that you know we're just we're going to beat people up at the line of scrimmage. We're we're just going to run the ball, and then we're going to play action pass off of that. And that's just going to have to be good enough. And it's been more than good enough. I I. It's interesting to think that, uh, you know, Cam Rising has been so good, but he's, he's managed a different offense, I think, than Charlie Brewer. And I'm, you know, I'm curious to think how Charlie Brewer would be playing in the same scenario. If Charlie Brewer was only throwing 18 passes in a game like Cam did against, against Oregon, he, he only threw 20 something passes the week before. And I think, in the last several weeks, he's been averaging around the mid twenties in pass attempts. That's that you know that's just not really how college football works these days. But that's what works for Utah, and and I think the way that Coach Ludwig has managed it has been very very good. Like his ability to just say, you know what, this is what is working. We're running the ball effectively against against Oregon, and we're just going to continue to pound on that. I'm sure that he had you know, several passing plays lined up, passing plays that they worked on throughout the week that just never got made it to the game because circumstances didn't call for it. And so, and I think that's hard for a coordinator. I think coordinators sometimes get into this thing of, well, we worked on it. We better put it in the game. And I don't feel like Andy Ludwig has that kind of ego. He just says, let's, let's do what works. And, and that's how we're going to win football games. I think they're throwing the ball more now than they did uh, Tyler Huntley's senior year. But I also think that how much they throw the ball now has really followed the course of the game and what the game called for. When they're blowing out Oregon and Stanford, they're all about shortening the game, and he throws the ball 18 and 22 times because that thing was over and it's shortened it and the fewer plays are, mm-hmm. fewer chance there is for anybody to get hurt because somebody rolled up on him. Right? You don't need to lose any more offensive or defensive linemen. Let's get this thing over and get out of here. But yeah. 30 attempts at Arizona, the game was close. 33 against Arizona State when they had to rally. 36 against Oregon State when they lose. They will air it out. I mean, they don't, they don't have a problem with that. They couldn't kill off those games just because of the way the games went. Yeah, absolutely. No, no question about it. And how about Tyler Huntley? I mean, that's... Uh, that uh, game the other night with the Ravens, good for him. I mean, that's a, that was a tremendous performance. But but uh, back back to Utah. Uh, yeah, I I don't think Utah's afraid of, of throwing the ball, and I certainly feel like Cam uh, is capable of throwing the ball. And more importantly, 
uh, Utah's offensive line is much better at protecting when throwing the ball downfield. And so that was a that was an enormous concern early in the season. Quarterbacks couldn't get into the into the drop and have any sort of comfort comfort in the pocket because the pocket was always collapsing. So uh, and, and there were times in, in this game against Oregon where Ham stepped back in the pocket, and then he sat. I, I thought Utah would employ kind of this quick passing game to negate Thibodeau, but there were a few times in the game when when Cam sat back in the pocket. He had time to read downfield. His offensive line did a fantastic job of creating a pocket, and he could make that throw. So, I you know, I, as, as much as I, I want to say that Cam Rising is the difference in the passing game, um, or even the way that Coach Ludwig is calling plays, or the receivers stepping forward, and you know, or getting the tight ends involved—all that stuff's great. But the truth is, the offensive line has just just been much, much better in providing the ability to throw the ball downfield. And when you do that, I mean, that's—it's way more than half the battle if you can protect up front and give everybody else an opportunity to do their job. By the time next week we speak to you, we will know who the opponent is in Vegas. As of today and this week, we do not know. And there's three possibilities to face the Utes in Vegas next week. Do you care which one? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, that, uh, I think that I care about that. Um, I still think that uh, like in terms of ma- – if I had to pick matchups, like uh, I still think that – that uh, Oregon is the most athletic team in the conference. I don't think they, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure they were ever the number three team in the country, but I think they're most the most athletic team in the conference, and they have the most dynamic players on the field who can change a game. And and they just didn't, they didn't play up to their potential. I mean, Utah was really good, and I thought Oregon um was negated by what Utah did, but I think there's a different Oregon team available. So I would put in Oregon as the most difficult matchup. Um, I would put Oregon State as the second most difficult matchup, although I think um, Utah can can move the ball against Oregon State defensively. But but there's still that question mark, can Utah control Oregon State's running game. Utah certainly knew what they were up against the first time they they went to the Corvallis, but didn't manage it very well. So I think that would I would say Oregon State would be the second most difficult contest, and then I think Washington State um, is pr- provides significant challenges for Utah, but challenges I think Utah matches up well against, and so um, that's. Uh, um, I think of the three, that's the most winnable kind of game. Uh, if Utah is playing really well, I think, I think they get over Washington State with the most ease. But, but all three of those are losable games as well. I mean, I think those are, those are difficult matchups, each a little bit different. So, so if I had to rank them, that's how I would put it. Is Oregon most difficult? Second would be Oregon State. Third um, most difficult would be Washington State. But it's going to be Washington State because that way the Pac-12 can have a 7-5 and team in their championship game and take... Uh, yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> and take more grief nationally. Right. And it's the same logic you said the Utes will beat Oregon. Absolutely, because that'll knock the Pac-12 out of the playoffs for right. sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I, you know, if the conference can figure out how to make it as ridiculous as possible, then that, that's what the conference is, is going to do. And we, I, I think we've seen that throughout this football season. I mean, how does – you guys have watched Stanford play the last several weeks. How does Oregon lose to Stanford? I don't know. How, how, does, that, how does that occur? Oregon – I mean, Stanford is terrible. Stanford, yep. Stanford yeah. is awful. And by the way – that kind of awful Stanford team that's out on the field right now, anywhere else in the in the country, that head coach is in trouble. Like, that, if, if, the, if, if a head coach, look at what happened to Dan Mullen. If a head coach throws out a season like Stanford is throwing out right now, that head coach is on the hot seat. Yep. There, I, I, don't, I have not heard one ounce of chatter about David Shaw. And by the way, I like David Shaw. I don't want him to be in trouble. I think he's a good He's a good fit at Stanford, but it's just interesting how the conference manages those things relative uh, to other conferences competing in college football. Frank, as always, we appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. Man, you guys are the best. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider Analyst for the Zone Sports Network. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, is coming up at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. James Empey, BYU center. Tell me a little bit more about Tyler Algier. Still bizarre to me that this guy was a linebacker a couple years ago. I remember his first year came in, he was playing running back, and they wanted to try him out on uh, defense a little bit, and he was making plays and, and running around the field, and I think he sees the game really well, and he has a good feel for what's going on, a lot of intuition there. And then towards the end of that year, they're like, well, we're thin at running back again. Hey, do you want to come back? And he comes back, and he's running people over. He's running out of his shoes. He's making moves. He's, he's doing a lot. So ever since day one, he's just progressed and gotten better and has earned everything he's been given and and has shown why you know he deserves to be on the field and why he deserves the carries that he's getting and he makes the o-line look really good what kind of a show is this catch hans olsen and scotty g every day from noon to three on 97.5 1280 the zone powered by kslsports.com Join Unrivaled with Alex Curie and Scott Mitchell Friday at the warehouse from 3 to 6. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. My voice is better. Boom! Good to have you back, PK. A little stuffy, but way better than last week. You just heard Frank talking uh, talking youth football right there. Yeah. You feeling the confidence now? Colorado's going down. Yeah. Pac-12 title game. You don't care who it is. They're going to beat all three. He ranked his three in order of how hard they beat a beat. But it just doesn't matter. I don't think it does. Most of the Ute fan base is there with you. I am the Ute fan base. Absolutely, man. Ran a poll question, got almost 1,000 votes. 36% of them said, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, BYU is awfully grateful they got them when they did. <laughs> Rematch, I mean, come on. Look what they did to Oregon. Holy freak. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Uh, there's a reason why Dan Mullen quit. He wanted no part of uh, Utah next <laughs> the opener, year. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> he didn't quit. He got fired. Well, that's he got a lot it. of money to go away too. Uh, yeah, I don't think it matters. I've been I've been saying it for weeks that I thought they were going to go to the Rose Bowl, and I still think so. Uh, I obviously I think even more so. I want them to play Oregon because I want the 
Pac-12 to have its best foot forward. And I agree with you, seven and five Washington with the, the story Washington is the coach State, or yeah. Washington State. Yeah, excuse me, the uh, coach story with the vaccine and all that stuff. It's not I, a good look. No, I mean, it's that's all that, negative. The yeah. Pac-12 is weird, and they're yeah, not yeah. good at football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a joke. Look at that. I mean, you can just plus how fun would it be to have the Utes punk Oregon twice? <laughs> I, if, if they did that, and I'm going to go to the game and cover it, and uh, if they did that, if they punk Oregon twice, I'm going to have suspenders, and I'm going to go up to Cristobal as he's walking off the field. Good. That's a good plan. <laughs> it worked the first time we saw it. You should by all means do that. <laughs> and I was there. I know you were. Me and Jake Scott were eyewitnesses to it. Yeah. And I tweeted it out, and been, that was the earlier days of Twitter, and Guys are getting on me. Oh, you just make up bleep. Yeah, yeah, I made it up. And yeah. there's the photo. What <laughs> video, no less, came out. <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden those folks uh, deleted that uh, their comments to me. Yeah, so I wanted to play Oregon because I think that's that's going to get your the biggest most thing. That's yeah. the most sizzle. And I want the Pac-12. I'm and it goes to your point of you think they're a top 10 team, so two more wins, they could be a top 10 well, team. I, I, think are. I think they're playing at a top 10 level. Uh, right now, what they did Saturday, just destroying, you know, Oregon. I, and I've never been on the Oregon bandwagon. I'm on the Oregon bandwagon as a program, but I've never been on the Oregon this bandwagon team, the pieces, this particular this season. The pieces season. don't quite fit together. No, I, I just, and they're a good team, but I never bought them as being the overwhelming favorite but in the conference. But is the gap as big as it looked on Saturday? Ah, probably not, but it was Saturday. It definitely was Saturday. And that's all that matters. And the Utes were the gambling favorite, so it's not like other people couldn't see Despite it. Despite what the Los Angeles Times said. <laughs> it's an upset! Well, <laughs> check the Vegas line and get back to me. Yeah, I saw that. Plenty, of people, plenty of people saw it, or the line wouldn't have the Utes favored by three. Yeah. So which top ten teams are they better than? Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Who do they you, move you, out? You love to do that. I do. And, and, and when I said that about Mitchell last year, of him being at an all-NBA level, who are you going to take out? No. It's who am I going to include. Not who okay. am I going to take out. Who are you going to include? include? Nine other teams. And at the end, I'll figure out who you took out. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and tell me who you're going to include. Georgia and Ohio State. For sure. And, and I'm never going to oh, rule out Saban. Saban's LeBron. Yeah. Until they gone. go down. He's not gone I, until he's gone. Yeah. Right. And, and we were talking yesterday about him getting in the playoff. And I do feel like, after watching Georgia and Ohio State, and man, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I'm not. There have been so many blowouts in the semifinal games. I mean, we have seen teams get crushed again and again. A wide variety of teams have gotten crushed again in semifinals. Again and again. Yes. And it feels like that's going to happen this year. Maybe Georgia so. and Ohio State yeah, are better just, than everybody. I'll turn the TV off then. I'll go do something else. <laughs> turn on the jazz game, right? Yeah. Uh, so if it happens, it happens. I mean, I'm not going to sweat it. Uh, but Utah is playing at a top 10 level. And I don't know which team I would take out or whatever. I'm, and that, that's your, your thing. And Oklahoma. That's They're the Oregon of the Midwest. Lots of close wins. They've got the rep. They've got the one loss. But they don't pass the eyeball test. Well, sometimes they do. They're they're a great team, but I think Utah's playing just as well as, you know, maybe a cut below those uh, upper echelon teams. And I, I, I give me 
any of those, you know, you got your Alabama. I'll give you Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, right? I'll put them off to the side. But they can hang with Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Give me a neutral field. Certainly, and give me a Salt Lake City field. <laughs> uh, but give me a neutral field. I like their chances. Yeah. I mean, they're going to win, but I like their chances. I mean, they're, they're playing at a very elite level. Well, the whole top 10 thing will get tested, I think, because whoever, uh, if they get to the Rose Bowl, if they're a top 10 team, then they beat Colorado, they win the Pac-12 title game, and in the Rose Bowl, they get another top 10 team. Right, and I think that's what you want. You want that. If I'm a youth fan, I want Oregon uh, because I want to further enhance my resume. And then Oregon's still ranked 11th, so that'd be another that'd be another impressive win if you go and get in Vegas on a neutral field, double down. Right, on right, it. right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I, that's what I'm saying. That's precisely yeah. what I'm saying. And then I would want as high a ranked team as I can get in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, because you're looking to pronounce your program. We are a power. We are a national power. And then they go out and they flood their assistants all over the country. We're a national program. I mean, we got, do you want your quarterback in Florida? We had a quarterback in Florida. He played in the NFL. He won a ball game. Uh, you got running backs. They've already proven that. I mean, come on. I mean, They've they, they proven that a million times over. And defensively, they've proven that. And uh, so, and right here, forget about the country, right here locally, man. You don't need to go over there. You don't need to go up the coast. You don't need to go here or there. You can come right here. This is where you belong, man. You can be that hometown hero. Look at this Covey kid. Look what he did. Yeah, sure, he's a smaller guy, so, uh, you know, we root for an underdog because he's not doesn't have the stature. But he's he's like a celebrity, really, when you think about it. And he's got the ability to talk and all that stuff. But... Stay local, and you'll be a star here forever. Uh, it sends an incredible, incredible message. And, and my good friends, and I call you my good friends because you are. If the Utes win the conference championship, there's a 65% chance that the Rose Bowl will be Kyle Whittingham's final game. 65%? Look at that right here. What is that based on? You'd have to ask the hammer. John Wilner wrote that. I'm looking at it right here. 65%. It says it right here. He's got a, a coaching chance of vacancies. Uh, so he's got uh, Washington, uh, SC, and you know Washington State. They're 100% because they're already open. And he's talking about how... Uh, What's he put ASU at? 75. Uh, he says they're a hot mess, and they are. I mean, the recruiting is they're they're twelfth, and the only reason why they're twelfth is because they only have twelve, 12 teams. teams. Uh, because kids are dropping off because they got this deal. They got to take everyone care thinks of the there's going to be a coaching change and and see and, and what's the probation going to be? And he's, he's speculating that most of the kids are going to transfer out, so they may never win a game ever <laughs> again. Uh, so they're a mess. But he's got it at seventy five percent chance of vacancy and chance of vacancy at Utah sixty five. He thinks Kyle wins, gets to the mountaintop, and then walks away in glory. Bathed in glory. Our projections for a vacancy have increased dramatically in recent days, all thanks to the results Saturday night. Whittingham is now one game from leading the university to its first ever Rose Bowl. He has endured the deaths of two players. He turned 62 on Sunday. He has loads of grandkids in Salt Lake City. Loads. I mean, this guy is like Tom Green. He's got so many freaking grandkids. 
<laughs> Didn't see a Tom Green reference I know, coming. Of all things, what a pull for association. Ready I don't go. know why that came into my mind, <laughs> but loads of grandkids. I think he's got uh, like three or four. <laughs> I want to back off on that. Yeah, <laughs> loads of grandkids. <laughs> He's got because when you lo- say that, I think that you know Britton Covey has loads of cousins. <laughs> well, yeah, loads, loads of grandkids in the Salt Lake City area, and he just became the winningest coach in school history. Our opinion: if the Utes win the conference championship, the Rose Bowl will be his final game. His final game. He's only got two, three games left in his Utah career. Wow. This Whittingham retirement thing is just gaining <laughs> Everybody's talking about it. Man, I wish he would have cut his hair earlier. He cut his hair so he's going to retire. <laughs> no, no, that was that was the, the reason because he was letting it go. Like he was losing interest. I don't need a haircut. Ah, screw that, man. I'm just going to kick back and smoke peyote. <laughs> Phil Jackson would like a word. Good Next time I see Kyle, was your partner talking about peyote, Tom Green, and loads of grandkids? Maybe. <laughs> I think he's going to coach in the Rose Bowl. And I'll be the first to admit, I want it to happen. So I, I, I've got a bias here. There's no doubt about it. I want I'm to right it. there with you. Just, winning is good for business. It really Please is. continue winning. It, it, obviously it is. Yeah. There was a ton of winning this weekend. This will shock you, but we had the highest rated Saturday talking sports we'd had in weeks. Well, no kidding. Utes and Cougars won, and they neither one had to play in the 830 time slot, so the fan bases weren't watching the games. It's the best. Please play in the afternoon the or early evening and win. It's the best. Well, that's good for you on your ratings. I mean, that's why you're a Hall of Famer. You Not are. exactly. No, you're sure. a Hall of Famer, dude. You are in the freaking Hall of Fame. You are. You're a Hall of Famer. And you retweeted it. Look at me. I'm a Hall of Famer. I liked it. I didn't retweet it. Oh, there ain't no freaking difference. There is. There's one button to the left. <laughs> there's one button to the right. But the it's result different. is the same. It's not, but okay. <laughs> For all practical purposes and intents. For the purposes of your argument, it's, it's exactly the same. the same thing. And I know you're a, a Twitter genius all of a sudden here. The yeah, that's not of genius tr- level. I mean, left, right. But it's the left. same. It shows up on your Twitter. What's the difference? <sighs> okay. Anyway, go ahead. You're a Hall of Famer, yeah. and you had the best ratings on Saturday night. had in weeks. I know. That's what you just said. And I'm happy for you. I only care that your Sunday night ratings suck. They do. We yeah. need you back desperately. That's that's what I care about. I'll because be, I have some personal pride. I'll be happier when you're back. And I've been crushed. Little Tina Turner. Had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yesterday... I like this song. Is it, everybody? Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm watching the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony yesterday. And Tina Turner is being honored. I'm thinking, yeah, like... 1980, she should have been honored. You're decades late, people. And they've got Tina Turner, Carol King, and the Go Go's, among others. Okay, the Go Go's, eh. <laughs> but they're on the. You put them on the same level of Tina Turner and Carol King? No. Come on. No. <laughs> Clearly. 
Yeah. And my man LJ, LL Cool J, I'm fine with all that. But those two ladies should have been inducted years ago. Just like you, now that I think about it, Yach, he should have been inducted into the City Weekly Hall of Fame years ago. It's a freaking joke that it took this long. What the hell were they thinking? It was years ago. I just didn't tell you. Was, you were inducted was, years ago? It was pre-pandemic. Then why are they now? Why did you just retweet it now? Hold on to thought. Hold on. Oh, no, I thought that was it. Sorry, my bad. That, there's a lot of jokes I could go with right there. <laughs> well, you've already done the Tom Green humor. Just keep it coming. No. When no. we come back, college football fans, even in death, there are statements that must be made. We will get to that next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Join, join Jake and Ben Friday from 10 to noon at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Black Friday Sale. They'll be in Draper next to Cowabunga Bay, 12101 Factory Outlet Drive, 121st South Factory Outlet Drive. So PK Nebraska's having a terrible season. They're 3-8. and eight. They're 1-7 in the Big Ten. One and seven. And they suck. Not even death can stop Nebraska fans from criticizing the team. This is from a story in Yahoo Sports. Milton A. Munson Jr. passed away at the age of 73 last Tuesday, and his obituary read, The grim reality of the Nebraska Cornhuskers finishing yet another season with a losing record proved to be too much to bear for Milton Andrew oh my Munson. Oh, gosh who decided he'd seen enough of this world during the team's recent bye week. The Huskers may not have sent him into the afterlife with a victory, but at least they didn't lose, and sometimes that's the best you can hope for. That's over the top. Memorial services, 1 p.m. Wednesday. Burial with a military honor guard, Parkview Cemetery in Hastings, in lieu of flowers. Please place an irresponsibly large wager on Nebraska beating Iowa. How old is he? 73. Yeah. Pretty hardcore for 73, huh? Go Big Red. Yeah, I, I guess he would have had to sanction that. I don't know. I don't know the death circumstances. Was it a lingering illness and he knew yeah, he was going or, or does, what? doesn't go into this in that story, but how important is football in Nebraska? Obviously, it's it's very important there, and they say game day, it's the second biggest city when you factor in the, the crowd and all that stuff just inside the stadium, and they've had an illustrious program for many, many years. Well, things change over time, and they haven't been nearly as good as they try to recapture the glory. Uh, and it doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon. Uh, but I, I just can't get into it that much. Uh, I can I can have fun with it. Uh, I don't have any problem having fun with it. But dying on a bye week. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do that. It, it seems like an obituary. Should tell be, the life story. Well, it ought to be a little more sacred. Yeah. 
You know, you're trivializing trivializing a life. Now, I obviously know nothing about this individual, and maybe he, as I say, he huge Nebraska fan with a great sense of humor, and this is funny. Yeah, but if it's if it's serious, it worries me even more. Yeah. (laughs) You know, these are college boys essentially that we're talking about. And when you're 73, you ought to get that even the mature veteran ones at 23 are still super young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, A third of the way through life. With all kinds of craziness to come in the decades ahead that you just can't predict when you're 23. I could see more of the pro level. But the college level, it's really hard for me to crack on boys. Because that's basically what they are. Now, I realize legally they're 18, so they're considered men. But in so many ways, they're youngsters. If you want to crack on the coaches, that's another story. I mean, especially now with the outrageous amounts of money they're being paid. The guys bouncing around every year, too. Yeah. So I can live with that if you're, if you're disgusted with the coaching staff or the administration. Those are adults. But to crack on the young fellows who play the game, man, that's that's really harsh, and then that that that's just too much. I mean, they, these these are just literal kids. They're they're in grown men bodies, but science will tell you that their brains aren't even fully formed until you're 25. Yeah, Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us next as the Cougars mm. get ready for a trip to the Coliseum. Stay with us, and I believe in the science.